I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so uh, last fall, uh, when Guilds of Ravnica came out, I started talking about the guilds, and I did five podcasts talking about uh, each of the guilds at each stage of the three stages of, or three different times we visited Ravnica. And I said, when uh, Ravnica Legions comes out, I would do the other five. Well, it's coming out, at least from my time frame. came out a while for you guys. Uh, so I'm going to start with, we're going to go in order. So I'm going to start with the Azoria Senate, uh, white-blue. Um, so let's go back. So the very first time we did the Azorius was in Dissension. Uh, so it was one of the last guilds we did the first time we visited Ravnica. Um, and at the time, we had a little bit of a problem, which was white-blue control was, was causing us problems in Standard. And so one of the dictums that came down to us was, hey, we really didn't want to add to any sort of white-blue control strategies. So, you know, could you try to avoid Azorius being about white-blue control? Um, which is a little frustrating because that's like the whole idea of the guild is you want to capture sort of the low-hanging fruit. Um, but we were like, okay, you know, because we're, we're team players. We're like, okay, how do we, how do we make Azorius not control-oriented? Um, and so we were trying to figure out some way to do something that would be kind of cool and would feel white-blue. Um, and that would have a little bit of a, like, we wanted a mechanic that sort of felt white-blue and sort of felt at home in a controller strategy without necessarily being too strong in, um, in control. Um, and so one of the things, I mean, we, we walked through a lot of different ideas. Um, Azorius has always been one of those guilds that has a very clear identity and a very distinct feel, um, but trying to get mechanics that sort of make sense, it, it, it's definitely one of the trickier guilds to design for, as you will hear about today. Um, we tried a bunch of different things uh, back in Dissension, and none of them were quite clicking. Um, and then I got inspiration from, of all places, a silver-bordered black card, uh, a card called Infernal Spawn of Evil. So for those who don't know, they're un unglued. Uh, in Unglued, um, there was uh, there was this piece of art that had gotten um, turned in. Ron Spencer is an artist, and he had turned in for some card. I forget what set it was. He was given, I don't know, some horrible, you know, some horror to draw or something. And he ended up turning in this little mouse sipping cocoa as a joke. I mean, it wasn't his intent, like. Sometimes the artists will have fun with the art director and they'll submit a sketch that isn't the real sketch. They're just sort of messing with them. And so he turned in the sketch of this little mouse drinking this hot cocoa. Because um, one of the things about Ron Spencer, most people might not know, is he, he got his start doing greeting cards. And that he, in his greeting card life, did a lot of very cutesy drawings. And that when he finally got a draw of his own choosing in Magic, he tended to draw creepier things. So Magic players were associated with him drawing creepier things. But his background, as far as you know, work, is he had drawn a lot of very cutesy things. So anyway, he had turned this in. Ha ha, everybody laughed. But when I was working it on Glued, I remembered that picture. And I thought it was really cute. Um, so I decided to build a card around it. Uh, and so the card I ended up building was called Infernal Spawn of Evil. And the idea was that this is the most evil thing in all the universe... And yes, it looks kind of innocent, but no, it really is the most evil thing in all the universe. 
Uh, and so I needed a mechanic that implied evil, um, but you know was something that at the time we didn't do in in Silver Border. Um, so the idea I came up with was, well, what if the card was this big scary thing, but um, while it sits in your hand, you can show it to your opponent and you can say it's coming. And it would make them lose life because they'd be so afraid of the fact that this horrible thing was coming that it would, they would just lose life because they were so scared about it. Um, so the card was like, you can reveal it to your opponent, say it's coming, important lost life. You go ahead and do that once per turn. Um, I'm not sure whether we restricted to upkeep or not, but anyway, you could only do it once per turn and on your turn. I think, you, I think we did limit to your upkeep once per turn. Um, Anyway, so we did this. It was fun. But one of the things we realized um, after we did Unglued, uh, Infernal Spawn Evil was very popular, um, was that the base mechanic of the card, I mean, the flavor of the card was a little silly, but the base mechanic of the card really wasn't that far away from something we can do. In fact, I said, well, what if, what if we did that? What if the idea, like, one of the things in general about white-blue is it tends to play a slower strategy. Well, what if its cards could do something while sitting in your hand. That felt really like, you know, it played into kind of the white-blue flavor without, um, you know, without being, it's control-ish, but it just felt a little bit different. Um, And the idea was that, you know, white and blue kind of wants to sit there anyway. What if we give it some some resource that you can use in your hands? and so then the idea is, so we made a mechanic we call forecast. So forecast says, play this ability only during your upkeep and um, only once each turn. So the idea was you have these cards, during your upkeep, they have an ability in your hand. Um, and we wanted the ability to be pretty cheap and pretty small. Uh, and the idea being that if you cast this during your upkeep and then you cast the card um, during your main phase, that there might be some synergy between them. We really liked the idea that what the card is doing while you're waiting to cast it, and when you finally cast it, that there's some synergy there. Um, for example, um, there was one card that made 1-1 one, one flying tokens, and then it was a creature that its power and toughness were equal to the number of flying creatures. Um, so the idea is you could slowly build up these flying creatures, and when this finally came out, oh, the fact that you spent turns building it up meant that this mattered. Um, so there was a lot of give and take on, on forecast, but in the end, um, in the end that I think that we decided we liked forecast, um, that what ended up happening is that it ended up having a much narrower design space than we thought for two reasons, sorry, (laughs) for two reasons. One was, um, we liked the idea that there was synergy between what you were doing like what the spell did when you cast it and what the spell did when you revealed it. Now, there are a couple, real quickly, there are a couple different subsets. Number one was ones that were synergistic. I do something, I do something different, but they're synergistic. Number two was some of them were like, I do something in larger scope, but I can do a little tiny version of it. So doing it ahead of time kind of does a taste of a larger thing. Um, and there still were a few others that were thematically connected um, usually they're thematically connected. We try to make them mechanically connected. Um, but it turns out that the subset of things you can do... Uh, oh, the other reason it was, it was tricky is you have to do this as an upkeep effect. Well, 
there's only so many things that make sense that you want to do during upkeep, you know. Um, and so it wasn't, you know, it had to be something that made sense. Like, like it had to be, it couldn't be reactionary. It, it, it was essentially cast as a sorcery. Um, I mean, it was cast only during your upkeep. So, I mean, like, it wasn't, you were never going to react to something. I mean, it wasn't like, wait, if your opponent did something during your upkeep, you could do something. So there had to be things that were sort of more proactive than reactive. And a lot of blue effects are more reactive. Um, so it, there was a limitation of sort of how many effects that you could do, and that definitely had an impact. Um, and then the combination of things you could do together, you know. So it ended up making it something that was... I, mean, like I, I liked a lot of the designs we made. I think the cards sort of... Um, this was one of those mechanics that had a little bit of a poetry to it, you know, where you really sort of got the... Uh, like, like, it was kind of neat to see how you can make them work together. And, and, and so... I did enjoy forecast. I do think we made some fun forecast cards, um, but it was they were tough to do. Okay, then the set came out. Uh, the audience was okay with forecast. I, if I remember correctly, it wasn't loved, wasn't hated. It was very a uh, middle of the road mechanic, I believe, how the audience rated it. Um, and once again, it's one of those mechanics that's very card by card, meaning. The mechanic in a vacuum, like some mechanics, like, oh, well, this is what it does, and you can, you can grade it hearing the mechanic. Um, forecast is kind of like if we tell you the mechanic and you're like, I don't get it. Like, you got to see cards. You know, the mechanic, the mechanic, without its execution, you don't understand what it's doing. So it is definitely a more nuanced mechanic. Um, and in general, nuanced mechanics don't tend to be received quite as well. Um, just because it's a little harder to wrap your brain around the entity of what it is. Um, but anyway, we did it. Um, it got, like I said, it, there were some... It wasn't completely disliked or anything, but it wasn't a, a runaway hit either. Okay, so now we get to return to Ravnica. Um, so in the f- first time, Azorius was in the third set. Um, in the second visit, it was in the first set. It returned to Ravnica. Um, and the restriction, um, you know, the, the, the being careful about control decks was something that happened in Dissension, but when we came back from Turn of Ravnica, that wasn't the case. So we're like, okay, let's lean in this time. You know, white-blue is the control colors. That is what people expect. It, it matches the flavor of what Azorius was. Oh, let me talk about that. Sorry. H- having not done th- this, uh, this series for, uh... Uh, a month or two, I forgot. Let me talk a little bit about what Azorius means, and then I'll get I'll get into the mechanics of Return to Ravnica. Um, so Azorius was white and blue. Um, white is all about the idea of wanting peace. It's all the, about the idea of you know if we all think about the group and think about you know big picture, you know we can provide for everybody. The world can be a wonderful place. It's just in order to do that, we have to sort of think and plan. And so white is very into structure. It's very into making laws. It's very into, like, how do I protect as many people as possible? You know, how do I make sure people act correctly? Well, if I create um, rules and laws and stuff that sort of say, well, this is how you have to act, I can protect society as a whole. Blue, it's all about the idea of you're born a blank slate. It wants to get perfection. You know, it, it believes that if you have the proper... Um, tools available to you, 
you know, tools and experience and planning and training that you can become anything. Uh, and when Blue looks at society, it has the same feeling. That it's looking at how do I um, perfect society? How do I, how do I get society to be the best that it can be? Uh, and Blue is very much about technology and very much about systems that help. You know, tools that help. So when you get white and blue, you know, you get the sides that lean into each other and they get very societally minded, which is white is like, I'm trying to create peace and blue is like, I'm trying to create a perfect society. Well, you start blending those together and you get a very bureaucratic organization, you know, that the Azorius is kind of like, we're going to make things better. How are we going to make things better? By creating rules and laws and structure to perfect society that you know, leave, uh, left to their own regards, people will do horrible things. So we got to create a system that sort of keeps everything in check. So white blue really ended up becoming the bureaucrats. They 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 write the laws. They also oversee the judicial system. Um, they have a police force. You know, the the Azorius are the people that are trying to keep order and make sure that things work work the way they need them to work. Now. One of the things about being the people that write the laws is it gives you a lot of control. So we talked about how white blue is a, the control colors. Well, in this in Azorius, I'm sorry, Azorius in Ravnik itself is very much the control guild. They're much about keeping control and making sure that things work the way they want them to work. In fact, the entire guild pact was made um, by Azor, the the Sphinx that we all met in. Um, in, uh, in Ixalan, um, he made the Guild Pact. And the Guild Pact is basically a very structured way of, of making it run. If people ask me about uh, what colors as a plane Ravnica is, and I always say white-blue. That is a very structured plane. You know, it's very much like, oh, there are these set factions that are created and established, and that, you know, it is very much like the Azorius in some ways have the biggest footprint on Ravnica, um, in that the Guild Pact defines Ravnica, and essentially the Azorius or Azor made the Guild Pact. Um, so when you're trying to sort of capture the essence of White Blue, they're very controlling, they're very exacting, they're rule setting, um, and so when we got to return to Ravnica and the sort of the shackles were off, and we could do anything we wanted, you know, like. Um, we, we had some, we were restricted a little bit in dissension, but we weren't in Return to Ravnica. So in Return to Ravnica, we're like, okay, we want to play up this control aspect. So the first place we went, I, I, we tried a bunch of different things, but the place that we seriously, um, was what if we played more on the idea that um, Azorius is enchantment-based? They're the rule setters, they make the rules, you know, they're the bureaucrats. What if we made white and blue care more about enchantments. And the idea is that the way we play them up as being the rule makers is literally in gameplay, they're constantly making rules. Uh, and, you know, it was playing into a side that both white and blue do some of. Um, and, okay, we'll make these, these enchantments that sort of dictate things and that through that we would have this very control aspect. We'd, we'd have instances and sorceries and stuff. It's not that blue wouldn't do its normal spells but that maybe it'd be a little more enchantment-centric to play up its rulemaking. So we ended up coming with a mechanic. We, we call it enchantment fall uh, in design, um, but you guys might know it better as constellation. 
uh, which basically means whenever enchantment gets played, it's a trigger and something happens. The problem was, um, one of the things about Ravnica mechanics, guild mechanics, is that you need to play nicely with the guilds that, are, that you overlap with. Uh, and the reason for that is, when you're playing a guild set, we want you to have choices and options. And if, let's say for example, half the blue cards are for Azorius and half the blue cards uh, are for, was it, is it, uh, in, in um, Return to Ravnica, Let's say you did that. So half blue. Well, if the if half of them only work in blue white and half of them only work in blue red, then when you're drafting, you early on have to decide whether you're blue white or blue red if you're taking blue, and then you're kind of locked in. And then white blue always plays the same cards, and white blue red always plays the same cards. What we want to have happen is we want blue cards to make sense in either a blue white deck or a blue red deck, giving you choices, and that if you draft certain cards, it takes your deck in different directions. And that allows both white-blue and white-red to have more variance in gameplay. Um, so the problem with Enchantment Fall slash Constellation was it just didn't play nicely with others. You know, we tried said, well, what if we, there's more enchantments? Um, so blue overlap with blue-red for Is It, and white overlap with green for Selesnia. So we're like, well, what if Selesnia and Is It, you know, what if white and, and blue just had more enchantments, and we made some of them, you know, we made enchantments that Selesnia would want to play, we made enchantments that Izzet would want to play. Um, and the idea is, oh, well, the r- way it overlaps with the other guilds is they're just playing enchantments. I tried that. It, it wasn't... The problem with enchantments, like, the reason we make enchantments work in Theros is because we make enchantment creatures, and your overall ASVAN of enchantments gets higher, high enough that you can sort of care about them. Um... And even then, uh, Journey to Nyx was really the only Theros guild that cared about enchantments in an enchantment matters kind of way. Um, but the reason that worked was because of enchantment creatures. Um, we're not doing enchantment creatures here. Um, you know, there's only so many slots you can put enchantments in. Uh, Izzet is already has the problem of it's caring about instances of sorceries. So, like, trying to get Izzet to also play Auras when it's already fighting for instances of sorceries, it, it just was a losing battle. And so we ended up realizing that while it was a cool mechanic, obviously we ended up making it in Theros, or you know, in Journey to Next, um, it just wasn't going to work out. So we needed to get a different mechanic. Um, uh, and I believe what happened was, I think we turned over Enchantment Fall from Design, I think. Or did we change it? No, no, no. Well, this is back when Design was a full year. I think we actually changed it before we handed it over um, because we got feedback from then development uh, that it that it wasn't going to work. Um, so we then came up with the idea of detain. So detain is a, um, um, a keyword action, meaning it's a verb. So until your next turn, um, so you detain something, and then until your next turn, that permanent, the thing you detain, can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. So the idea essentially was you were locking something up. Like I said, Azorius controls the police force and the legal system, and they run the jails, and so part of dealing with things that you think are bad is you can lock them away. That's kind of Azorius' answer is, oh, there's a CD element we don't want? We will lock you away, and, and now you can't harm or hurt people. Um, and so the idea of detain was that it allowed you to sort of keep, to 
lock something down temporarily. Um, I think we had messed around with a little bit also um, the Oblivion Ring. So Oblivion Ring is an effect where you play this enchantment, uh, or sometimes it's a creature. Oblivion Ring is an enchantment, but what we call the Oblivion Ring effect is you play a permanent, usually enchantment or creature, and then you exile something, and for as long as this thing is in play, your permanent's in play, that other thing is exiled. Um, and so we played around a little bit with maybe that would be the Azorius mechanic, but it was a little, it was a hard to do too many effects that did that. So Detain was kind of like Oblivion Ring light. It allowed us to sort of have that similar sense of, oh, I, you know, I'm detaining a thing, but it, it was a little bit more temporary. Um, but the thing we liked about it was Detain played really cleanly into a control strategy. Um, it allowed white and blue to have answers, but not, not permanent answers, temporary answers. And so um, one of the things in general about the way white-blue tends to play, and this is how control decks play in general, is once I establish control of the game, I'm going to essentially win. But the problem is I have to get to the point where I've established control. And so a lot of the gameplay for a control deck is delaying and holding off the inevitable to get to the point where you have the upper hand. Um, and so the things we like to do in Azorius, in white and blue, uh, is stuff that sort of helps helps you, but it's sort of a temporary help. And the idea is I'm slowly trying to keep what I can and, you know, hold off the inevitable. Well, hold off, not necessarily the inevitable, but hold off your attack. Um, because every turn, every time the game goes a, a bit later and I build up my mana and I have more resources, white, blue, you know, Azorius tends to have more late game um, strategies. And so their job is to sort of make the game last later. And so a lot of the tools we like giving them are things that are delaying type stuff. So Detain worked out really well. Um, and um, now Detain, to be honest, is like one of the things we, we think about in general is our goal is to make a mechanic that makes the people who want to play that guild happy. Um, and one of the things about Azorius is the people that are playing control decks are very interested in a lot of small, nuanced things. One of the reasons, for example, that more enfranchised players play control decks is it's harder to play a control deck um, than play a, a lot of um, quick, faster decks. Not that there isn't nuance to faster decks, there is, and I, I think playing aggressive decks really well takes a lot of skill. Um, but if you're just starting to play, or not even just starting to play, but if you've been playing for a while, um, the idea of I play creatures and I attack with creatures is pretty straightforward. A lot of the control strategies is like understanding the nuance of exactly what spell do I need to counter and what am I supposed to unsummon and, you know, and understanding like I need to get where I'm going and there's a lot of very subtle plays that need to get there. So the thing that we like for Azorius mechanics is Azorius mechanics don't need to be splashy. They don't need to be, um, you know, we want to do something that the player that wants to methodically think things through and gain incremental advantage over time, um, you know, tend to, to lean toward white-blue or, or blue-black. Um, and so we want to make a mechanic. And Detain, what we said was, look, Detain is not an exciting mechanic. It's not a splashy mechanic. But it is a functional mechanic, and it is a very useful mechanic. And for the kind of player that likes Azorius, it's a really interesting mechanic. For example... I can detain something. What do I don't want to detain? What's the threat? What, you know what I'm saying? Like, one of the things the Azorius players really enjoy doing is 
being a good Azorius player is understanding the board state, is understanding your opponent and their resources, and knowing what part you're supposed to be afraid of. Because detain is kind of like a counterspell, which is, look, they have a lot of permanents. Which one do I care about? Which one am I trying to stop? And knowing sort of where the threat lies gives you more power to play better. And detain plays right into that. So detain did a little bit better than forecast. Um, I, I think it was something... Like I said, forecast was a little cutesy and really re- required a lot of execution. Where detain, you got it. And especially for the kind of player that likes to play Azorius, it was very clear and clean what it was doing. Um, now, once again, it wasn't at the top of the mechanics just because it's the, the, the splashy mechanics tend to rate higher. Um, but what we found with, with, with players who liked playing Azorius, detain uh, was very popular. They really liked detain. And, um, like, for example, when we were working on the third set, or when the, we announced the third set was coming out, um, and we said that we might bring back mechanics. A, a number of people said to me, oh, ooh, maybe it's getting detained back. Detain was pretty cool. Okay, that brings us to Ravnica Allegiance, Allegiances. Um, okay, so this time uh, Azorius was in the, the, the second, so third, first, second, although there's no third. Um, but uh, it was in the second set. So I wonder, is that true? I wonder how many mechanics showed up in the first set, a second set, and a third set. Uh, actually, I can figure that out real quickly because there's only one third set. So you had to have been in the third set to do that. Uh, the other two were Rakdos and Simic. Simic's never been in her first set. Simic's always been in one of the later sets, so that's not Simic. And Rakdos showed up in... Um, oh, Rakdos. Rakdos is the other one. Because Rakdos is in Ravnica Allegiances. Is that right? Rakdos is, yeah. So ra- both, both... In fact, Ravnica... Now that I think about it, Azorius and Rakdos have always shown up in the same set together. They were in Dissension together. They were in Return to Ravnica together. And they were in um, uh, Roger Legions together. So they're, they're buddies. Um, I'm not sure. Anyway, little, little figuring that out on the fly. Okay, so we were starting to do Ravnica Allegiances. Um, remember, we did the vision design for all 10 sets at once. So we did uh, Guilds of Ravnica, all 10 Guilds at once. Guilds, uh, we did Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Allegiances together in one. At the time, um, vision was six months long. Um, we went to the three-in-one model. It shifted over to four months. But anyway, it was six months at the time. Um, we worked with them together, though. Um, and um, the idea we had for uh, Azorius was really interesting. Um, so let me walk you through it. Um, it is something... Of all the mechanics that we made that... Um, uh, when I get to Orzhov, I'll talk about debt. That was probably my favorite mechanics we made that didn't end up getting uh, to print. Uh, but my second favorite was addendum, uh, not addendum, was uh, precedence, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, so once again, we started from a place of we like the idea that Azorius is rule setting, um, but we also understand that it has a lot of, you know, it wants a lot of incremental advantage. Um, so one of the things that I noticed. Uh, is that the nature of how it, Azorius plays is it tends to like to have permanents that have entered the battlefield effect, especially, especially creatures. Because a lot of what white-blue likes to do is get a lot like incremental tiny effects. Like I said, white-blue is about sort of surviving. Uh, and the reason detain worked is you know, it, it likes to have these little sort of um, small incremental gains. And that, that works well on enter the battlefield effect effects. 
because um, we need to have a bunch of creatures, just because we have a lot of creatures. And Azorius definitely has a lot of wanting to sort of control things. So it just worked out that Azorius liked to have enter the battlefield effects. So we're like, okay, is there a way to play into this? Um, so the idea of precedence was um, each card with precedence would have an enter the battlefield effect. They were all creatures. And the idea was when it entered the battlefield, you could swap it for any enter the battlefield effect on any permanent, or not any permanent, I think any creature, any creature you had in play. So for example, let's say I had a creature that said, when it entered the battlefield, draw a card on a little 1-1, one, one, you know, 2-U, when it entered the battlefield, draw a card. Um, or maybe it's 1-U, I forget what we cost that, probably 2-U. Um, anyway, the... Uh, if I played my precedence creature, let's say my precedence creature looted, you know, it drew it and discarded a card. Um, I could choose um, to do whatever effect I wanted, you know, like every time I enter the battlefield, I could take any enter the battlefield effect and I could use it. Um, I think precedence, precedence originally, um, the first version we tried only, you only could swap for another precedence creature. So it's like, I have an enter the battlefield effect, but if there's another president's creature, I could use their enter the battlefield effect. Uh, and then we said, you know what, it's just more fun if instead of um, using president ones, because it's very parasitic, what if I could use any enter the battlefield effect? Because if I can only use president effect, it's hard to make me, it's hard to overlap with the other guilds. But if I can overlap with any enter the battlefield effect, well, that just means, okay, the ones connected to me have to have enter the battlefield. So when we get to um, Ravnica Allegiance, Let's see. Um, white overlaps with uh, Orzhov, and blue overlaps with Simic. So the idea is, okay, well, if I want to make my white cards work for both um, Azorius or Orzhov, and I want my blue cards work for both Simic and, Orzhov, uh, and Azorius, um, all I need to do is just have enter the battlefield effects. Well, at the time, Simic had proliferate, which wanted to have a bunch of enter the battlefield effects, and black and white, uh, Orzhov had debt, which debt mostly wasn't enter battlefield effect. It just was working really cleanly. Like the mechanics that you know um, the other things were using tended to be on enter battlefield effects anyway. It was a perfect seeming thing. So we changed it to make it open ended, so you could do any enter any enter the battlefield effect. Okay, so we get to we hand off vision vision hands off. Okay, this is what we want precedence. That's our mechanic. So when it got to set design, um, there were a couple problems precedents had. Uh, one was the rules. Um, that it's very easy to say, oh, well, I, I just get any enter the battlefield effect. Yeah, you know, you get it. Um, sometimes things that conceptually are very easy to understand uh, get much more complicated when you have to write them out. What exactly is an enter the battlefield effect? You know what I'm saying? And, um, I worked with Eli um, when it was in um, Fission, and Sam, who led um, Ravnica Allegiance, worked with Eli after, and that it just was a lot wordier and just not as clean or as clear as, as we wanted. Um, and the other problem was we were making a set with five mechanics. Um, that, that's more mechanics than we tend to put in a set these days. It was making it a little bit complex. Um, to have five mechanics, so we wanted to make sure that each mechanic wasn't itself too complex, and the Azorius precedence was also kind of complex. It was wordy, it had rules issues, it was complex. Um, it played really well. Well, I'll take it back. 
it was a lot of fun. It was a very fun mechanic. The problem was when Play Design started getting their hands on it and do a little bit of testing, um, because we were saying any enter the battlefield effect, um, enter the battlefield aren't of equal power level. Um, and the problem was, if I can make my precedent cards anything, well, the correct strategy was play a strong enter the battlefield effect and then just make every precedent effect the same effect. Um, and that kind of what we wanted was, like the, the goal of the design was, we wanted you to always have choices and options and you wanted you to choose different things. Um, and we could control that if we limited it to just precedent creatures because then we could set a bar for sort of like how powerful is a precedent, you know, is it, you know on, an, on a precedent's creature, how powerful is the inter-battlefield effect? And we can make those kind of even if we wanted to. Um, but then that made it not synergistic with the other guilds. And anyway, after dealing with all the different issues, um, set design decided that while it was splashy and fun, it just had enough issues that it wasn't worth, you know, they, they needed to find a new answer. So they went in search of a different mechanic. Um, as far as the, the future of precedent, uh, I, I believe the following to be true. Um, the biggest problem right now is the wordiness of explaining when enter the battlefield effect is. Um, we keep talking about one day um, keywording enter the battlefield just because of every piece of text we use. You know, if we could shorthand any piece of text, it is something we use a lot. Um, so if one day we sort of shorthand and we essentially keyword it, um, that would make this mechanic have a lot easier time uh, rules-wise defining what you're talking about. Because if there's a word and you can say whenever the word happens, it just makes it less wordy. Um, I don't know quite how to so solve the play design issue. Um, I guess if you knew you were doing the mechanic and you, in the sets and standard around it, you were a little bit more vigilant about it. Um, it's the kind of mechanic that like, in the right time, in the right place, with a bunch of work, maybe it could work. It is a very, very fun mechanic. So anyway, I'll leave with, with I, I'm not saying we'll never see it. I, it, is, it. It is a particularly fun mechanic. It was fun. If we can make you actually have to pick different things, that you know, that was really fun to do. Um, so anyway, maybe one day we'll do precedence, but it, it, it has a lot of baggage to it, and it had too much baggage for a for a guild, a guild mechanic. Okay, so Sam and his and his set design team then set out to find a mechanic that would play nicely with Azorius. Um, and due to the factor of what else was going on. Um, all the other guilds were doing mechanics that really leaned heavily into doing creatures. Um, and so he decided that he really, really wanted the Azorius mechanic to be spell, to see something that, that could go on spells, just because he needed to balance, you know, having all the mechanics really lean heavily on creatures was, you know, you don't want all your mechanics to lean heavily on creatures. So, another strike against precedence, by the way, although... I think the other things were a bigger strike against it. Um, so they spent a lot of time looking at different spells. So the idea was, what's a spell-based mechanic that really hit the flavor of Azorius? And once again, the Azorius player tends to be someone who's more into nuance, more in, like it's a little more spiky of a, uh, of a guild. 
And so they were looking for something where there was interesting decisions to make that, that sort of gave you incremental power if you understood how to use it correctly. Um, and then I'm not sure how they got there, but there was a cycle of cards we did. Where did we do them? Was it Odyssey? I think it was Odyssey. Um, where I was... Um, we, had done, we had done some cards in Invasion where you could spend extra mana to cast them as instants. And the idea, like, Rout is the famous one, where it was a Wrath of God, but um, it's all creatures. Um, but if you spent two extra mana, you could play as an instant. And I like the idea of caring about things that could be either instant or sorcery. Um, and so the idea that I played around with was, what if you had instants that if you played during your main phase, they had extra ability toward them? And so anyway, we made a cycle of cards in, like, I, th- I believe it's Odyssey. Um, and they were interesting. They, play- they played well. We never really did much with it. Um, but somebody on the set design team, maybe Sam, maybe someone else on the set design team, um, when they were looking for cool things to dead, remembered that mechanic and said, what if we made an ability word that basically did that? What if we made a bunch of spells that, look, it goes on instance, but if you cast them during your main phase, essentially, essentially the sorceries, um, you know, they had added value. So the idea was, like, one of the things about the control player is the control player often will play things as late as they can because they want to leave their options open. So one of the neat things about addendum is that it really says, oh, well, on some level, I, I have kind of a split card in my hand. One side is an instant and one side's a sorcery. Um, and the instant kind of does what the sorcery does, but it does a little more. Um, and that choice, that decision, like really plays into the mindset of what the Azorius player likes to do. This idea of I can sort of take advantage of a resource in a way that's subtle, but you know, requires some nuance to play correctly. Um, and this is the perfect example, which is, in general, control decks like to leave open their mana. They want to be reactive on, on the opponent's turn. But now, here's something that says, look, you can give up some of that flexibility to get extra value. Well, that's a really interesting thing. It, once again, it is not a super splashy mechanic. It is not a mechanic that, you know, is going to do crazy things. It's the kind of mechanic that does a lot of small, incremental, but interesting things. And the act of the decision of when to do and when to not is an interesting one. Um, once, once again, very much in the Azorius playbook. Um, you know, as, you'll, as I talk about the guilds, one of the things that we always care most about is I'm not trying to make something that everybody will love. I'm trying to make something the Azorius player will love. Um, you know, and I being all, all of design. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things that was really interesting, something that we've sort of learned over the years with Azorius is the Azorius player really does appreciate nuance and subtlety and, you know, playing the mechanic at the right time with, the, you know, and making the right targets and stuff like that. Um, and so Addendum, it's one of those things that on the surface feel like... I will say this, if you look at Forecast and Detain and Addendum, they feel a little more scattered than some of, like, you know, you look at the Golgari mechanics and, like, graveyard, 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 like, you see the theme through them. Or you look at the Simic mechanics, you're like, plus one counters, plus one counters, plus one counters. You, you, you get the theme, through, you know what I'm saying? It's very mechanically um, much more exact. Where, you know, Forecast and Detain and Addendum, they, they all want to go in the same deck, and they definitely... 
um, have synergy with each other. But there, it's a little, you know, it, it's a good example where what Azorius wants is a little bit more of a style of play and a style of decision making, um, and so that's what we work hard to do. Um, like one of the things that's very interesting about about designing for the guilds in general is um, we always design for players. Like anytime I'm making a card, I'm trying to figure out who wants to play that card. I want to make the card maximize for the person who wants to play it. The guilds are interesting because it allows us to kind of focus um, and you know f- factioning in general. And then you really get a design toward the type of players that's attracted to that kind of faction. Um, and that's one of the things that is. Like I said, one of the challenges of Azorius is because the, the player who plays Azorius wants this sort of nuance, those are not easy mechanics to make. Like, um, I mean, each guild has its own challenge. I'm, I'm not going to say that each guild, it, it's easy to do all the guilds. But at least when I'm doing Boros, I'm like, look, I'm doing an aggressive attacking mechanic. I want to make sure I'm doing that. Look, it's going to be active on attack, and it's going to be something that just says, hey, attack. Um, now... Finding a good mechanic, finding something that's fun, you know, that is a challenge, but I know what I'm aiming for in a very sort of clean, clear way from a mechanic standpoint. Azoria says, look, I'm controlling, I want to give you incremental advantage, but there's lots of ways you can do that. And if you look at the, the mechanics of Azorius, they each kind of did it in a different way. Forecast was like, okay, I'm getting small incremental advantage during my turn with this large combo I'm trying to enable long term. Detain was something where it was much more reactive. It's more like I'm going to answer things and deal with things, and it definitely was done when you needed it. And addendum is definitely something that now takes place in the main phase, where I have to, you know, like it's kind of funny that, um, you know, a forecast made you make a decision during upkeep. Um, uh, detain made you make a decision a lot of different times, but often on the opponent's turn. Um, and. Addendum makes a decision during your main phase. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that, that is very interesting in that, you know, one of the things we're trying to do is find places and times to make interesting decisions. And one of the ways we do that to find new space is find new and different places to make the decision. I, I, I find that interesting. Like, one of the things that's cool about um, talking through the guilds with you guys is kind of sharing the, the challenges of designing each of them. And, and the big challenge of designing Azorius is that it is a guild that's more about a feel and a style of play than specifically a mechanical... Like, a lot of the guilds are focused on a mechanical execution. Like, Boros is very much about the attack. Um, you know, both Boros and Gruul have a very aggressive creature-based, attacking-based sort of feel. Um, where something like Simic is about changing things and plays in counter space. And, you know... Uh, Golgari is much more about the graveyard and recycling things. So, you know, it, it's kind of neat seeing how each guild has its own flavor and its own, you know, in, in, inhabits its own element of the game and has its own means for style of how we make it. Um, so anyway, the Azorius is definitely one of the more, one of the more challenging mechanics to design. Um, but I think we're getting better at it. Uh, I, I think that... Um, well, I don't dislike Forecast. I made Forecast. Um, you know, I, I think they're both detained and addendum... Are, are slightly... You definitely can make more designs with them, um, and the decisions you make with them, I think, are a little more interesting. Forecast... I mean, the big decision forecast is, when do I stop keeping this in my hand and cast it? Um, but a lot of times, the answer was, do this every upkeep you can, cast it when you can. And it wasn't quite as clear. Where both Detain and Addendum, 
it's a little, you know, there's a little more interesting decision of when you do it. And you might change when you do it based on the circumstances of what you're doing. And, and that's kind of a fun Azorius mechanic where you really have to read the scenario of understanding what's going on. But anyway, guys, I'm now at work. Um, I hope you enjoyed the talk on the Azorius today. They're a very interesting mechanic to design for. And I know for people that like to play Azorius, they're, 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 they're an acquired taste, but a fun, a fun guild. Uh, but anyway, I'm now at work. So we all know what that means. Means this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time to, for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time.